Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Today we conclude our sermon series, My Big Fat Mouth. And you know you've been in trouble all month. Come on, somebody. It's been a fun series, yet a powerful and challenging, challenging series. First week, we dealt with complaining. Complainers are never satisfied, never happy, never, never restful, never peaceful. They're happy. And they don't want anybody else being happy around them. Second week, I preached on lying. Spoke about how we want to live a truth-filled life. The third week was on gossip. Hmm. We'll talk about somebody. Gossip is engaging and tail-bearing. It's a slander. We learned that gossip, gossip can be true information just because it's true does not give you a license to share it, amen? Also can be false information or a combination of the two. We learned what gossip will do. Gossip will tear down. Gossip will divide. It also creates a superiority complex. I'm better than you. It will stop growth. Well, today we conclude our sermon series speaking about criticism, the dangers of a critical spirit. Now, we established last week that our words are powerful. Our words have the power of life and death. They have the power to build up or to tear down. James asked the rhetorical question, in James 3:11 does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water and then he follows it up with the obvious answer no you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring so we got to deal with the foundational principle what is the well the heart our foundation scriptures for today will be several. We begin in Galatians 5. Turn there with me if you would. Galatians chapter 5. We'll look at verse 14 and 15. Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, in this context says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15 says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. 
beware of destroying one another. Now, what is interesting when you study this passage is the language which Paul uses suggests a pack of wild animals preying on one another. If you keep on biting on one another, tearing one another to pieces, take care lest you be annihilated by each other. So the picture that Paul is painting is a a, a pack of, of wild animals, wild dogs, getting together and just devouring each other. Now turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we begin reading in verse 29. Verse 29 says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We'll talk about this towards the end. The King James says, so that your words will minister grace to the hearers. Verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind, tenderhearted. Encourage one another. Let your words minister grace to each other. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks with their words, sarcastic, always trying to make a point, and it's always speaking down. But the wise bring healing with their words. See, nothing is easier than fault-finding. doesn't take any talent. doesn't take self-denial. No brains, no character are required to set up in the grumbling business. Did you hear me? It doesn't take any kind of talent to set up in the grumbling business. So let's get into our sermon. We got a lot of notes today. So I want you to write these things down. Let's talk about criticism. Under A, write this, Miriam. We're going to go to the Old Testament. Look at Miriam. When we think of criticism, we often think of Miriam and her husband Aaron as they are dissatisfied with the leadership of Moses. They're a little upset. They don't like what he's doing. So in the confines of their home, the implication is, in privacy, they began to complain and to criticize what's happening. We pick up that story in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Numbers 12, verse 1, while they were at Hezroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? Notice this, but the Lord heard them. 
So the context seems to imply that they were being critical in private, uh, but the Lord heard them. So the Lord begins to deal with them. He calls for a special meeting. (laughs) You're in trouble when God calls for a special meeting. (laughs) Verse 10, as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. It's interesting to me that the punishment for the crime was leprosy. See, in leprosy, we see a picture of what a critical spirit can do in a person. Leprosy was a skin disorder which would spread to the to the whole body. Leprosy was unclean. It would contaminate others, the clean. So it didn't just affect the individual. The the, the leper had to be ostracized outside the camp lest they would contaminate everybody else. And leprosy brought a slow death. Being critical in one's spirit slowly sucks the life out of you. It slowly kills the individual. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's look at what happened when Jesus is in his hometown and there are some people being critical. Who is this man? Don't we know his dad? Don't we know his mom? Don't we know his his brothers and sisters? Don't we know who he is? So here in Mark 6, verses 1 through 6, Jesus returns to Nazareth. And he's doing ministry, but we see it's hindered because of criticism. So let me give you an important note. Criticism can stop the flow of the anointing and gifting of God in others. Notice verse 3, then they scoff. That word scoff is talking about being critical. They began to laugh on the inside. They began to, to look down. Who does he think he is? He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So notice what a critical spirit leads to. It leads to offense. It leads to disbelief or unbelief. You remember the famous words, Jesus said a prophet is not honored or or is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. So criticism leads to unbelief, and it kills the move of God. Unbelief will put the fire out. I want to take it to an example where Jesus deals with the critics. And we learn how to deal with critics in our life by watching the life of Jesus. So go with me to Luke 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 9. Now the details of the story is the man with the deformed hand and Jesus on the Sabbath tells him, stretch forth your hand. The Lord's about to do something on the Sabbath. Now, we know the religious leaders begin to get critical because you can't can't help somebody on the Sabbath. 
Jesus always dealt with critics, those who were critical. Verse 9 in the New Living Translation to me is very important. Then Jesus said to his critics, notice this, he said to his critics, can I tell you something, we all have critics. Quit giving the critics in your life so much attention. Quit giving the critics in your life so much attention. They're not worth your time. They're trying to keep you from what God wants to do. They're trying to keep you from the best in your life. So how do we deal with critical people? How do we deal with the critics? Jesus dealt with the critics, those who were critical, with the principles of the kingdom. In verse 9, he says, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? I have a question for you, he said. Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save lives or to destroy it? See, the principles of the kingdom is to, is to give life. The principles of the kingdom is to bring healing. The principles of the kingdom is, is to walk in resurrection power. So how Jesus dealt with the critics in his life he did so through the principles of the kingdom. Now, write this. He did this also through truth. He dealt with them by confronting them with the truth of the law. Then third, write this, action. He dealt with critics by being action-oriented. He told the man, stretch forth your hand, and right there, a miracle was done. He did not allow the critics to win the day. I think too often what we're happening or happening with us is we're giving too much attention to, to criticism. We give too much attention to the critics and we're allowing them to manipulate and to rule the day when we simply need to walk according to the principles of the kingdom of God. We need to walk in truth and we need to be action-oriented. So let's talk about the effects of criticism. What does a critical spirit do in, in others, in us or those around us? It stunts growth. I mean, think about this, parents. If all we are offering is our critical words, then when it comes to our children, it will translate into their mind that they're not good enough. It can translate into a need to perform better. And then this often lends itself to inadequate feelings. I can never, I can never do anything right. I can, I'm just, I'm just dumb. I just, I just, I'm just not good enough. Or it lends itself to a performance-based relationship where a person seeks approval but never seems to get it. I run across 50 and 60-year-olds all the time that are still trying to, to, to perform because they never got acceptance from those who needed it because those who were most important in their life were critical. What does criticism do? What does having a critical spirit do? It kills dreams. Critical people will intentionally or unintentionally kill the dreams of those around them. Naturally, dreamers want to share their dreams. But as soon as this type person hears a dreamer 
speak, they often say, you can't do that. You don't have the ability. You don't have the resources. They become dream killers. Now, it's not that they're necessarily setting out, but because their criticism has become so habit in their life and such a, a routine that they're killing the dreams of those around them, whether it's their kids, whether it's their spouse, whether it's their co-workers. They're killing dreams. Let me tell you what having a critical spirit does. It stifles creativity. It'll stifle creativity in those around, around you. It's like putting water on a fire. You want to kill creativity real quick? You want to you you just stop creativity? Creativity is important because creativity leads to dreams. Dreams are important because dreams lead to, to action, doing something, accomplishing. But it often all begins with a creativity. And criticism stifles creativity. If you're finding in the workplace that there's not a whole lot of creativity creativity going on, then you might need to kind of back up a little bit and see, is there criticism happening? See, because creative people are not going to bring forth their solutions, their ideas, if they have the fear of things being shot down all the time. Parents, we want our kids to talk to us. We want our kids to dream with us. We want to hear what, what God's doing in their life. But, but listen, if all we do is be critical with them and point out their faults, then what happens, it'll stifle creativity in them, and they will become silent. Creativity, l- l- listen to this. Creativity is the water. that waters the seed of dreams. So what we've got to do is we've got to be careful with the words that we speak to each other. A critical spirit will breed discontent. A person who is giving to being critical is never satisfied. There is always a level of discontent in life. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, he says, Don't grumble as some of them did. They were destroyed by the angel of death. So notice what grumbling, critical spirit did. He's referring to the Israelites in the wilderness. He says, The angel of death destroyed them. Now, verse 11 says, These things happened to them as an example to us. They were written down to warn us. So as we read through the pages of the Word of God, we're to learn from their example. We're to learn from their life. See, a discontent spirit gives birth to division. A discontent spirit drains the life out of others. If you have a person on the team who is critical, you will find that they are your drainers. See, a critical spirit drains the life out of an organization. It drains the life out of others. Let me tell you what the result of a critical spirit will do. It brings isolation. Nobody wants to be around a critical spirit. So naturally, people 
avoid such individuals, which often leads or feeds into the critical spirit of the person because they're lonely, they feel isolated, they become even more critical. Do you see the vicious cycle that happens? They become even more critical because people just don't want to be around a critical spirit. So what happens is they're isolating themselves, which then reinforces their criticism, and it still keeps them all alone. We want to break those chains. We want to break those things in our life. We want to break those, those generational curses over our family. We want the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be encouraging to each other because we put on the new man. Put this under H. It creates barriers. Barriers of sight. home, the workplace. Nobody wants to be criticized, so they stop sharing their dreams, their plans, their thoughts. May we cultivate, may we cultivate an atmosphere where people feel safe to share their dreams. May we create an atmosphere where people feel safe to, to, to share what they believe God is doing in them and through them. I recognize sometimes it may sound a little far-fetched. I recognize sometimes it may sound a little way out there, but we'd rather deal with some wildfire and contain it. We'd rather deal with some creativity and coach him than to try to start a fire or a spark and try to get something going. So what we've got to do in our homes, in our life, in the workplace, and also in the church is we got to create the atmosphere where people feel safe to share their dreams, to be creative, and to say this is what God has been speaking in my life lately. Write this. It dishonors the dream. A critical spirit dishonors the dream of the doer. Remember Mark 6, 4? Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. See, a lack of honor cuts off the river's flow in others. Jesus was dishonored by these residents, and the miraculous could not happen. When we honor one another, the anointing is released in each other's life. When we honor each other, then giftings are released. When you begin to honor one another, those around you begin to soar in their gifting and talent. So hear me. May we find ways to honor each other. But we find ways to lift each other up, to release something in them. We believe this to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know your words can release potential in people's lives? Your words can release the activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I recognize God can do what, what he desires to do. But we are relational beings, church, and, and, and when we understand the power of our words and when we begin to speak life 
we can actually release creativity. We can actually release life and potential in people and to help them dream, help them see what they can become through the power of the Holy Spirit. What we are doing is reaffirming through our words what the Holy Spirit has already spoken to them. We're calling out giftings and talents and anointing in their life. So may we, may we put aside criticism and may we speak words of life. Which brings us to our third point, what should we What should we do? Our, our foundation scripture, Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So let's, let's ask the question, how do you break a critical spirit? What if we are the one who is critical? What if we are the one who first sees the negative, the, the why we should not do it before we ever see the positive? That yes, I can do it. What should we do? I think the first thing we need to do is confess and ask for God's help. Ask God to forgive us. Lord, I've been critical. God, I've been a dream dasher. Lord, I've been a dream killer. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Ask God to reshape you. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17, claim this verse for you every day. It means everybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Ask God to reshape you. Ask God to, 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 to begin that work in you that needs to happen. Confess and ask God for his help. The second thing, learn to practice silence. I want you to hear this. It is better to be quiet than to be critical. Did you? Some of us need to hear this. It's better to be quiet than it is to be critical. If you recognize and realize that you are the critical one, whether it's to your spouse, whether it's to your children, sometimes you just got to learn to be quiet. Practice silence. It's better to keep your mouth shut than to be a dream killer. So if you find that you are given over to a critical spirit, the third thing is this. Do not give voice to the first reaction or thought to new news because that's where you get in trouble. It's kind of like that domino effect. Once those negative words come out, then the others just follow. So instead of giving, giving verbiage to that first thought or reaction, don't give voice to it. It only takes three or four or five seconds. Catch yourself with that critical word and change it. Practice delaying your response. It gives you a little time to put your filter in place. <laughs> Delay your response because you can put your filter in place. And how many know there are times when we just need a filter? Amen? For invite the Holy Spirit to change this part of your attitude. Invite the Holy Spirit. Listen, he's creative. He makes all things new. He's God. <laughs> He's created the heavens and the earth. And guess what? He can change one's personality. He can change one's attitude. So invite the Holy Spirit to change this part of your attitude. Say, Lord, I can't change this on my own because you can't. 
You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. Write this, seek to be faith-filled. Faith-filled people see possibility. Faith-filled people encourage the dreams in others because faith and dreaming are closely related. Faith-filled people find solutions and do not allow the problems or opposition to deter them. You become faith-filled by becoming word-filled. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to become faith-filled? Become word-filled. Get into the word of God. Let the word be your reaction. Can somebody say amen? So let's talk about steps of action when we're surrounded with people of a critical spirit. What if we're not the one being critical, but we're surrounded by people with a critical spirit? Write this, limit your exposure. Limit your exposure. Limit your time that you are around critical people. Do not share your dreams with those who are given to criticism, especially if you are, when you're giving birth to these dreams, especially when the dreams are still in the formative stages because these dreams are fragile and a critical spirit can destroy those dreams. And you may never realize the potential of what God has for you because your dreams have been shattered. Three, seek positive influences. People who see the potential. People who encourage. People who draw out giftings and talents. People who are full of the word. Church, I want to be one that people seek out because I'm an encourager. I don't want people to see me and they run because they're afraid I'm going to be too critical. They're afraid that they can't share what God's doing. I don't want to be a dream killer. I want to, I, want to, I want to be one who's full of the word, drawing things out. The fourth thing is do not be influenced by people with a critical spirit. Do not allow their words to attach to your dreams. Do not allow their words to stop you. Remember the story of Miriam? Why leprosy? The physical leprosy which everyone could see was representative of what a critical spirit does when we allow their words to latch on to us. Don't allow that spirit of negativity to latch on to you. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Oh, you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So do not give in to those critical words. Don't allow their words to attach to your dreams. Finally, let's spend the next moments answering the question, what is our responsibility to one another? Because we do have a responsibility. We are called to be dealers of hope. We were never called to be fault finders. Fault finders are in the devil's toolbox. Refuse to be used of the enemy. Become an instrument of the Holy Spirit to bring the best out in others. So what is your responsibility to your neighbor? What is your responsibility to those in the workplace? What is your responsibility to your family members? Your responsibility is to love them. We are to genuinely love one another. 
And when you love somebody for real, you want the best for them. You want the best for them. So see the best in them. <laughs> That's why I love a mama's love. <laughs> a mama knows that her youngins are scandal. She knows. She sees those things. But she also sees the best in them. She sees what she knows that can be called. What's our responsibility to one another? To encourage one another. To encourage them. Let your words minister grace. Let your words encourage one another. Our responsibility is to honor them. To honor them. Our responsibility is to dream with others. You know what I love? I love when people come to my office and they just begin to dream. I love when I'm walking around the parking lot with somebody and they're just dreaming. I love to come upon a group and, and they're excited when they see you and, 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 and they just begin to dream. What's our responsibility to one another? Help people dream. Help each other dream. And the sixth and final thing is this, to see God's potential. To see God's potential. When we do these six things, it will give us influence with others. And when we have influence, is when we can lead with the greatest impact. <laughs> My big fat mouth. What if our words are hindering our personal relationship? Wouldn't we want to change our words? What if our words were building walls between us and our children? Wouldn't we want to change our words? What if our words were driving a wedge in our friendships? Wouldn't we want to do something about it? See, the words we speak can either build up or tear others down. Paul said, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. An encouragement. That word encouragement here in the Greek is a word meaning to give, to grant, to give rise to. It means to cause to be. And I love this. It means to cause a new state in something. May your words Spark something new in the people that you're speaking to. May your words start something new in them. As I stated earlier, the King James says, may your words minister grace unto those who hear them. Minister, it gives too. That word grace, yes, it means by grace are we saved, but it also means sustaining grace, enabling grace, right. an anointing. See, may your words start something new in those around you. May we be individuals right. who on the bottom floor will begin to start something new in one another and yes. to believe in each yes. other and to lay the groundwork for one another's success. Amen. Start something new. What if God used you to start something new in somebody around you and then they had a God-sized dream 
And they went on to fulfill that dream to touch hearts, touch lives, touch hundreds and thousands. And it all began with God using you to start something new in them through your words. See, words are powerful. church sometimes we just got to take an honest look we have to be honest sometimes with ourselves sometimes we're given more to a critical spirit than we are to an encouraging one we want to create an atmosphere where people can soar and reach their God given potential and it begins by you and I recognizing that we have a communal responsibility to each other. We have a communal responsibility to love one another. We have a communal responsibility to, to believe in each other, to see the best in them. We have a communal responsibility to encourage. We have a communal responsibility to honor one another and to dream with others and to see God potential. This is something all of us can do. We can be instruments used of God to start something new in one another. Look what God can do. Let's close in prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, to think of the fact that you, God, would use us to start something new in one another. Father, I'm saying I'm all in. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I want to do this. I'm saying, yes, Lord, use me. I'm saying, Lord, help my words. Help my words, God, see see the potential. Let my words, God, be encouraged. Let my words edify. Let my words build up. Let my words, God, use me. It doesn't take, it doesn't take money. It doesn't take, it doesn't take uh, a great, great giftings or talent. All of us, all of us can be ministers of grace, one to the other. All of us can be igniters. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you to ignite to ignite dreams in others. He wants us to put aside the critical spirit. He wants us to begin to lay hold of our true calling. That's to really love one another. If you'll say yes, yes, I want to be an igniter, a starter of dreams. Yes, yes, I I want to be one that starts something new and other people. If you'll say, yes, God, I want you to use my words. I want you to use my life to help others dream, to help others to become who you've called them to be. Yes, God, I want to be an igniter of dreams and hope. Yes, I don't want to be a fault finder. Yes, God, I want to be one who comes alongside and encourage. I want to help people to dare to dream, to see their God-given potential. If that's you, if you'll say yes,
Let's go.